0: Hello and welcome to a very special edition of the Left Wing Back Podcast with me, Kevin Regan. The episode is in association with Carlo Cabs. You can download the Carlo Cabs app for a fast, reliable service from Carlo's number one taxi company. On today's programme, I have a conversation with Turlock O'Brien following his decision to step down as the Carlo Senior Football Manager last Saturday. We delve into the reasons for standing down, the good times and the bad times during his reign. We talk about the frustration of certain comments made by well-known media pundits, the friendship with long-term psychic Tommy Wogan, kicking around with Kerry legend Mick Connell at his own home, sitting in the dressing room with Kerry players after a Munster final, and much more over the course of the next hour or so. i out a few days, no doubt. Um, big decision you made on, on, on Saturday. Um, I have to ask firstly, you've obviously put a lot of thought into it, but the guidelines, I suppose, for you know, the map going forward in terms of fixtures and that weren't till actually the day before. So this is something you've been thinking about a long time, but that obviously forced the issue 24 hours beforehand, and I take it as well.
1: Well, the GA had initially uh, indicated that Intercounty would probably come back after club fixtures and that they were talking about October, but it was not confirmed until last week. So I did have it in my head that this was their plan. And I quickly realized that if that was the case, uh, the season was going to go into, you know, November, December and the league was going to start in January for twenty twenty one. Now I wasn't going forward for January, uh, for the twenty twenty-one season. So the county board would have been in a very difficult position to look for a manager in December. You know, they'd have no time to to do any research or anything. So I, I thought about it and I said, Look, the best thing to do would be to step away now. It gives him a chance to appoint a new manager and still gives him plenty of time to be in place before September when the county team allowed back to train together in the group. So it seems logical to me the way to go about it, you know. But I'm disappointed that I couldn't finish out the season. I would love to have done the championship. But, you know, realistically, um, it's just not, it wouldn't be the right thing to do. And it may not happen anyway because this, if we get a new spike in, in the winter months, who knows what's going to happen.
0: Right so I mean when when the news dropped on Saturday I have to admit I was kind of surprised um I could just couldn't believe it when when it when it came through but I mean for you then you must have been pretty like overwhelmed with all the messages that were coming through because you would have been getting texts left right and center and obviously the media would have been hounding you as well so how did you deal with those couple of hours after the news broke
1: Well I suppose uh I spoke to the county chairman on was it Thursday was it Thursday night yeah Thursday night Friday, 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 and uh, you know he was disappointed, obviously, but uh, he was aware that I was thinking that way, and he said they wanted to release a, a you know a statement then as well, and and they would do it later in the week. And I thought about that and I said, look, I don't think they'd be the right thing to do because once I tell the management and the players, it's going to leak out anyway. So you'd better off prepare it now and have it ready. So we just uh, agreed then that it would be released once I told the players. And we did that then. Uh, when we did it, and and um, yeah, look, uh, the messages started coming in straight away, um, especially from the players. And I've been overwhelmed to be honest with you with the, with the reaction. Uh, I wasn't expecting it. Um, I got, uh, I was. I suppose it was half past eleven at night before I stopped answering messages and phone calls, and I hadn't got through them all. And I had to do it again the next morning. I was at it for another two hours. Um, so had a massive, massive lot of people to contact. Um, I was, you know, I was flattered, to be honest with you, uh, with the reaction. I got messages from all over the country, from players and other county teams and managers and other teams and so on. And a lot of nice messages from journalists as well. Um, so, look, it was nice, I suppose, to, to you know, to hear those, those messages. And... Um, I was good at that, I, you know, that I didn't finish out the year and I feel I let the players down a little bit, you know, but I really felt there was nothing much you could do about it, you know, and um, that's where it is now, you know, and look, I'm very confident that uh, if you get a manager appointed fairly quickly uh, that uh, there's a good championship in the lads and a great league, I think, as well, because the panel is very strong and we brought through through a good few promising young players now uh, through the league uh, before it was halted um, you know there's a lot of young talent coming through now and I think if you can gel that together I think there's a good future there
0: I would certainly think that uh, none of the players would, would feel like you were letting them down um, you're, you're not I suppose at this stage after the six years you give. but was I'm sure one or two of them possibly tried to twist your arm did they or what was the story like what was the general feedback I'm- when when the news broke
1: No, they tried to break my neck uh, uh, for different reasons, (laughs) maybe. (laughs) No, 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 no. Look, I think they understood. uh, You know, I had given six years. Like, it's a long time to be involved. Um, Really, I think the position of county manager now really only suits, you know, a school teacher or someone that's retired. Um, It's a massive commitment in terms of time. Like, your contact time with the players is one thing, and I put this, the other time is the killer. Uh, It's seven days a week, and it's nearly 12 months of the year, even though your season you know, finishes when it finishes, you know, because you're you're thinking ahead to the next league campaign and you might be going looking at championship games in other counties and uh, you know, talk, you'll be you be looking at, at the form of other teams and so on. So you'd be you'd be following their progress through the, the provincial championships maybe and looking at their club competitions as well. So it's non stop.
0: It absolutely is. And I mean my understanding is that there's a lot of, obviously there's a lot of time that goes into it that people don't see, but for the most part, you took on the burden of doing all those, I suppose, unsung hero jobs, like the jobs that no people really want, but jobs that have to be done. Um, Did you learn to delegate over time? Because I know at one stage you were probably doing a lot of the video editing yourself or looking for different things. You're going up and down the country looking at matches and stuff like that. Is that something you kind of learned as as time went on?
1: Well, yeah, I had to. I had to, yeah, because you know, my Normal uh, mode of operation would have been that I would have done almost everything. Uh, certainly, at club level, I would have been doing everything. When I came to the county first, I was doing the video, I was doing the training, and I was doing the managing. And you know, uh, it was grand for a while, uh, but uh, you can't you can't work effectively if you do that. You know, so look, I had a very good managing team around me uh, from the start. You know, I had great guys in there, strength conditioning. We had the support of IT Carlo. We had their facilities, fantastic facilities. We had Damien Sheen out there as well. And and we had some of the students in college then as well to help with, you know, they were getting experience with Damien and uh, in the testing and all that sort of stuff. So uh, there was a great team there. The selectors were brilliant. Uh, All very, very uh, tuned in. Very, very good uh, player people, you know. Um, Always with the players first. But a great liaison officer there with with Vinnie O'Brien there, I have to say as well. He's been brilliant for us. And... Look, we had a great backroom team. In the end, uh, in 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 in, I suppose when Stevie was Stevie was involved, uh, he was coaching, and Stephen Mara came in after Stevie. Like so, we we had pretty good setups in the end. But uh, yeah, I was doing coaching originally, and, and that's where I love to be—is at coaching level. And if I had a regret about managing, it's that I couldn't coach any longer. Really, it was not taking the odd session or maybe the odd bit of a session here and there. Um, so that was difficult because really, you know, the real enjoyment has been on the pitch and. Uh, been part of sessions and guiding sessions and planning sessions and so on. Now I would have worked closely with with, with Stephen, both Stevens, uh, you know, and on the, on the pre- preparation of the of the sessions and so on. And um, so, yeah, look, you have to you have to delegate and and have to trust people. Uh, and we'd agree, as I said, we had a great working relationship within the management team, and I think that that was easy to see because we got on so well. There was never any rows. Um, we're on the same wavelength like about football how we should be played. Uh, and we were all pretty tactically aware as well. Like so uh, no, it was it was a real team effort, you know, and I think this focus on managers really it's, it's overhyped. It's coming from you know, the premiership in England, you know, people talk about managers this and managers that like but really it's you know, it's about the people around the team and it's about particularly with the players, you know. If you don't have players you're going nowhere. I've always said the players win matches and managers lose them and uh, you know belong long about controller told that things don't go your way.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, w- when you come in first, so I know you did a little bit with Rainbow before before he stepped aside, Yeah, and um, that would have been probably more so in, in a coaching manner, but then when you took up the mantle in late 2014, you said it was going to take at least three years to try and see some sort of progress, yeah. but having said that, there was huge frustration in that first year. Did you kind of find it hard to maybe... Stay positive. Stay motivated. Even though you know you needed three years, but things maybe weren't moving as quickly as you would have thought initially. At the same time,
1: no, I wouldn't say that though, uh, Kevin. Um, I came in there the very last week of the National Football League in 2014 to play water in the last game. Um, Anthony had been struggling, um, and I, I think it wasn't his fault. Uh, I don't think he had the support structure around him. He wasn't a carloman. He didn't have access to the clubs really he didn't know the club contacts and he was kind of left to his own devices which I think was unfair because but he was a young inexperienced manager great footballer obviously as you know and a lovely fella and I just felt he was left out on a limb and it was difficult for him and I was at a loose end actually that year because I'd stopped at Airo that year and uh, I was going to all the games watching all the games and and um, he didn't approach me until the last week of the league, as I said, you know, and I, he, he met me in work one day and we had a great chat. And I said, Look, I'd I, no problem, not to get involved to give you a handout. I said, But if I'm doing it, I'd like to coach the team and I'd like to start on Tuesday night. And that's the way it started. And our first game was Waterford, uh, down in Waterford. So I'd only two, two sessions that, that week, you know, we lost 199. So it was a bit of a, a bit of sign of an improvement there because I think the previous game they were well beaten. I think it was. In Clare in the game before that, they were hammered. I think you know, and so it was a bit of a bit of a boost. We were we were very much in contention in that game, and just we had enough work done. Uh, then obviously it was a bit of a break, and we're back to the championship then, and we had a massive lunch again we Mead, and look, we were hammered on there seven thirteen to six points, you know. Uh, but as bad not as the scoring sounds. We actually put in a quite a yeah, reasonable performance for, for a good bit of that game, given where we had come from, uh, you know. So. Uh, we proved that then because we we turned the tables on water in, in the qualifier uh, we won that game in Depth of Cullen Park and then we were playing Clare now Clare were under the crest of a wave at that time uh Collins doing fantastic the Clare team had become a become a real force and you know we were, we were beating 424 something like to 213 it was, a, it was a high scoring game uh, I thought it was signs of progress you know and I was happy enough but obviously was you know, disappointed with the score lines. Uh I don't think they did us just as really at how we're a little bit better than the scoring showed. Uh, so we ended the 2015 campaign, like, and like, don't forget, we were last in 2014 with a massive uh, problem in defence. Uh, I think we we conceded 12, one, 12 goals, 120 points, that national league, with a minus 58 scoring differential Then the league. It was you know it was, We were leaking scores, like, and that was the first thing, was to try and start correcting that, you know, and uh. We, we, we finished fifth in the league that year, in the first year. Uh, and we got off to a great start. We played London. Uh, they beat them. Um, we beat Waterford away. It was hard to do that. And then we had drawn with Wicklow. So we had five points in the first three games. Like So we were actually in a great position. Uh, you know, So I suppose we, we fell away a bit then after that. And look, uh, we finished fifth. You know, there was nothing really between us, uh, and and I think Leeds would finish above us, like, and uh, so that was progress. You know, um, so I don't think you know you could say uh, it, it it hadn't gone well. Uh, okay, we were we were well beaten in two championship games. I actually thought coming to the leash game that we were actually we we're actually going to do well, but but we were actually outclassed, and it was obvious. On that day that one of the big problems we had was that we weren't conditioned enough, the leash were much more physically stronger than us and fitter than us and uh that actually blew us away on the day you know so that, that was a big lesson from from two thousand and fifteen and Damien Damian he addressed that you know and uh, there was significant improvement then you know going forward after that like you know into two thousand and sixteen and again we showed incremental improvement we finished fourth in 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 uh two thousand and sixteen uh so you know there was there was progress through through the first couple of couple of years there. You know, um, we obviously we played loud. Then in the championship we got, we got a we got well beaten in Portis, uh two twenty four to three eleven, and um, then we had a good win in the in the qualifiers over Wicklow. We we got a big score up again. Wicklow, one seventeen, uh, I think to one twelve, I think it was, and we the way again then to Cavan in Brefty Park, which was which was a very attractive. Uh, fixture. You know, Cavan would be a traditional you know, strong, strong Ulster County, great tradition there. And uh Breffley Park is one of the kind of the iconic venues as well. You know, it's a great kind of a amphitheatre uh place to play in. And uh so we went up there and we conceded a goal in the first few minutes and a point and I'd say people were saying we're gonna be scotched. But the team uh well actually I have to say the poacher come in uh just before that, he'd take a couple of sessions and we had been working on a game plan and we didn't panic. We, 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 we stabilised ourselves to go, go on the point and we dominated the first half. We had a goal that's just before half time. Uh, I think if it had been allowed, I think we might've gone on to win the game. We lost two, 13 to 12 points. And, you know, um, look, it was, it, again, I think it was signs of progress, but I suppose Stevie had arrived in now, you know, and, um, this was, this was the start of a great relationship. Um, Steve he was a fantastic coach, absolutely fantastic coach. Very innovative, uh, very much on the same thinking as myself um, in terms of how we played the game, and similar to John Morrison, who was one of my great friends, and uh, yeah, he was a great coach. and helped me uh, down the years. So, um, look, I, I thought I thought we made some progress. I said here we went from the last team in Division Four, we're now up to fourth. And uh, we're looking forward to 2017. You know, so uh, I think it going the right direction, Kevin.
0: Yeah, I would agree. I suppose the 2015 Championship defeats is maybe what I was alluding to. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, in particular. But I with 2016... Forward. Definitely, I'm
1: not sure what you We were scotched. But we actually played quite well for a lot of that game. Like, And I might, 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 might think that's... Nonsense, but I, I don't I don't see it that way. You know, I thought we showed some promising signs that day, but uh, they got on some unbelievable goals that day, like they like you wouldn't score them again, like in one of those days where everything goes away. Um, but anyway, uh,
0: yeah, so 2016 there was a, a marked improvement, a noticeable improvement, and yeah, I have to ask you about bringing in Porter because, yeah, I think you know, you're one of the most selfless people I know because if you look at a lot of county teams and county managers. They would be a little bit about themselves, perhaps, and they'd want to be in charge and want to show a little bit of authority, etc., etc. et cetera. But I think it's a high mark of you that you were actually willing to step aside somewhat and let Portra come in and take a bit of this coaching, you know, and, and do that delegation. I'd yeah. have to compliment you on that because you don't see it too often.
1: Well, the way I look at it, Kevin, is I was there to do a job. The job was to improve Carlos' football fortunes. And whatever it took, that's what I was going to do, you know. And it's, a, it's an old saying, but it's amazing what can be achieved when no one gives a care about who gets the credit for it. Uh, and that's my approach to it, you know. And I knew Stephen from a couple of years before that. Uh, I'd gone up to uh, St. Paul's School in, in Kilkeel for a couple of years to a coach I think Stephen was running. I got I got to know him through Life magazine, first of all. I used to buy that every week. Uh, either I'd buy it in a in, in news agency, if I had it, but there wasn't too many news agencies only had it, or I'd buy it online because... John Morrison had a weekly column in it, and I, myself and John were fantastic friends. Fantastic friends for a long, long number of years. We talked to each other nearly every day. And uh, Stephen had the column in the next page in Gaelic Life. It was a coaching column, and he advertised that he was doing this for the school. So I went up in December with Tommy myself. Tommy walked and myself I went up twice. We went up to it, and I was immediately taken with Stephen uh, by his personality more than anything else. Because he had these courts in from the clubs in County Down, and the clubs in the County Down now would be it would be it'd be it'd be tribal, now, really tribal and, and and rivalism would be really, really red hot. And he was having a court at everybody in a funny sort of a way. He was able to get across to everybody and yet he wasn't, you know, he wasn't given ground, you know. And uh, I liked that in him, and he was, he, was, he was very entertaining, but his ideas were really, really good, and they were a similar vein to what John Morrison was talking about and what I was trying to do myself as well. And uh, he had the school team demonstrating some of the, 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 the small games that he was talking about. So I said to myself, this guy is going to be snapped up by somebody. Uh, it's going to be a downer. It's going to be an Armagh. Or a or somewhere around the area. And I said, Look, if I don't ask him now, uh, I mightn't might get the chance again. So I asked him to come down and take uh, a couple of sessions uh, before Kevin. That's how it started, you know. And we clicked straight away. We clicked straight away. Like, we, we uh, he's some character, like, as you know yourself, he's some character. Like, and, uh, the players bought into my meeting. They loved him. They loved his personality as well. And uh, his ideas were fresh and, uh, we became we became uh, very close as a team and a management team. We, we were a great bond between us all. And so uh, over the summer then, I said to Stephen, look, I want you to come back next year. Uh, and we were trying to work out the logistics of that because it was, like, it was about a 150 mile round journey for him and because he was coming from a school in Kilkeel. And uh, we were talking about one session a week originally, you know, and this is how it started. And the county Ward, of course, were concerned about the distance and the cost and all the rest of it. So, yeah, we agreed to one night a week, but quickly enough, it was three nights a week, you know. And uh, he was coming down the road in the car, like, and he was, he'd was be buzzing. He'd be buzzing. He'd be on the phone to everybody. He'd be ringing on the way down. And this is a great life for teachers, teacher, you see. Finished a half two, he was. And half down the road, in the phone, having a crack with everybody and talking to me to know the session maybe and and uh, what we're going to do that night, you know, and uh, having a crack about, different teams and ah look he's just panicky as you know so uh that was how it started and and as i say it went from one night to to every session and we made huge progress we made huge progress because he took a load off my off my my workload and brought a, a you know a new dimension to it and you know the game has become very tactical but i'd say down here uh we were a bit slow to catch on to that you know um Ulster football would have been seen to be very dour and all the rest, but it was actually a very tactical game up there. Uh, fascinating game. Lucky game of chase at times. Uh, only the top counties really were, were tactically aware like that, you know. So uh, the lads learned an awful lot very, very quickly. Uh, we developed our game plan. We improved our game plan. And, you know, we, we probably should have got promoted uh, earlier than we did. We, we, we in 2017, we were just tipped off like we were third at the table. And uh, we slipped up against London that year. If you remember, in Park, that's the right. The, yeah. game. the bet is 215 to 16. We had a dire performance, absolutely dire performance. And so, our heads were down after that, you know, because we had started very well. We played Westmead, we'd drawn Westmead up in Westmead. We seemed to have uh, we had great battles with Westmead over the last over a few years there. Uh, so uh, that game in London was a real downer for everybody, really really downer. Now, that was. That was one of the low points, I'd say, after all oh, six years, you know. Uh, but look, at uh, we, we picked it back up and uh, we beat Limerick the next game. I think uh, Leitrim, was it? Leit- Limerick was, yeah, yeah, I think. No, yeah, Limerick. And, and then we were away to Leitrim. I think we lost up in Leitrim. Uh, we with a good win over Waterford and we had a big win over Wicklow, uh, which is something that we had turned the tables on Wicklow in this period. If you remember, Wicklow had to had had Carl under the cash for a good number of years. We couldn't beat them. And they haven't beaten us since I started. Uh, so I was delighted with that. We we turned the tables there and we we sat on top of them. And we hammered Wexford the last game, 214 to 1-7, I think it was. So we finished third. That game against London cost us promotion. We would have been promoted if we, if we had if we if we had drawn with London we would have been promoted because we had we had beaten Wexford in the head to head. So looking again, it was progress. You know, we returned to him. We were bitterly disappointed uh, that we hadn't we hadn't got promoted, but we knew. You know, we were playing Wexford the first round the Champions as well. So it was the it was the era of Banty in Wexford, and uh, there was a lot of talk about Wexford and this Wexford back like and um, he came up to Carl, if you remember with kind of a second string team. He was a bit of an insult, really, in a way. You know, but uh, we we sent him packing anyway, and. Um, we we, we we played them in the first round of the championship in Dr Cullen Park and I thought we played really well, really, really well. Um, we still got some consolation scores at the end, you know, to make a respectable look about. We dominated that game now and um, obviously the carrot for us then was Dublin. Dublin in the next round, you know, Ireland champions and one of the greatest teams of all time and uh, nobody could see a way of beating Dublin. Nobody could see anybody only Dublin this and Dublin that. And, but we had a different approach with it all, all together, you know, Um
0: so that was something to look forward to, you know. Jeez, it was big time, and I suppose the the voice coming up to that was was incredible, and there was a bit of talk. Of course, 12 months previous, had played Dublin, but O'More Park wasn't suitable. They played in Nolan Park, and then all of a sudden, when it was Carlo playing Dublin, O'More yeah. Park was suitable. Oh. I suppose one of the regrets was that it wasn't in Dr Cullen Park, but or netwatch Cullen Park. Let's get the let's get the sponsors' name right. Yeah. But um, in O'More Park that day, I mean, that was absolutely electric, and I remember being up there in the press box and from a supporter's point of view and from someone working in the media, you're, you're obviously a little bit anxious up in the box because you're thinking, right, we don't want to get blown away here. Mm. But like, three points down going into the half-time, I mean, was that beyond your wildest dreams even as manager?
1: No, it wasn't really, you know, to be honest with you. No, no. Uh, we'd done a lot of really, really good work before the Dublin game. You know, obviously we were buoyed up by the win over Wexford and the strong finish to the league and mentally we were in a great place and physically we were in a great place and, we we're really relishing this challenge because the mindset now had changed. Not forgetting on Carlo, because before 2014, you know, we were we were been beating out the gate and heads were down and there was no belief. Expectations were low. We were we were feeding off of that, if you like, and it was getting worse and worse and worse. But now the tide is beginning to turn and expectations within the team, never mind outside the panel or the other you know, supporters. But expectations within the team were changing. We could see progress we could see structure we could see organization we could see how teams won games we could see how teams were losing games and we had a far better understanding of how to win how to win at inter-county level because there there, you know a lot of teams in the past in my opinion would have gone out and said look we'll go and do our best that was kind of it you know there's no real real science to it or anything you know um but we were really prepared for Dublin you know we had done a lot of work on Dublin we knew you know, we knew their kick-out strategies and uh, one of the things we said we were going to do was we are going to try and impose our game on Dublin rather than the Dublin impose they game giving us. Because if they, if they we, if we allowed them to dominate us, uh, we wouldn't get the ball past the halfway line, you know. So we really had to work hard on that, you know, and we had some brilliant kick-out strategies uh, that worked very well for us. In fact, we nearly got a, a goal off a long kick-out, a kick-out over the top. Um, we had we had we had some some uh, calls and our own kickouts. You know, Alan Kelly, Huey Gan. People were wondering at the times actually. You could hear everybody shouting, Huey Gann Huey Gann or "Alan Kelly," and they might have been playing. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and it was the kickout. It was the kickout call. So uh, it was very funny, like. And, uh so look, we all we weren't stupid. I we weren't naive or, you know when you when you if Dublin could get a run yet yeah, maybe you know they could put up a big score and they could ha- they could put a team away. But look, we were in different headspace. A different headspace. We had great belief. Uh, we, and with no nerves, this was really you know you could say bonus territory, but it was also it was a challenge. It was what we were dreaming about for years and years of playing you know division one teams uh on sunny summer days, championship football, we hadn't been getting anything like that, you know and uh, especially coming into to a game like that where you knew you had prepared well. Damian had the team in great condition, much better than we ever been before. Like the body shapes of some of our players changed dramatically from two thousand fourteen. Uh you remember, the, remember that night they did the the, the boxing uh, with the hurlers.
0: Yeah, I do indeed. Over the dolman. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, I took photographs the night of the lads were growing their shape and up. You know, they they were stripped off to their jocks, and I had I had the photographs still. And if you look at the body shapes. Uh, from then and how they, how they are now and in, in the conditions they're in now there's no comparison you see and and so we we're you know this is where you get to confidence from this From good preparation we were we were we were in great shape we were fine fettle we were we were very well coached we were very tactical and our confidence was up as a result confidence is a huge thing in football you know belief is a huge thing and this was the millstone around our neck for years and years. We had no real confidence. We had bravado all right. We said, oh, yeah, we can win here, we can win here. But we hadn't done the work. And deep down, players know that you haven't done the work. And when things start to go against you, they really go against you. But that wasn't the case with this team because they had the work done. They had to the believe. We had strategized about the game. We had talked about what would happen if, you know, Dublin scored first or we scored first. or You know, all these things were talked about and... uh we we analysed the referee and how, he, how he'd how handle the game. There was no stone left on turn. So, no, it was no surprise going to three points down half half to be honest with
0: you. Savage detail. Savage detail put into it. And, um, you know, a very a very good performance, which was well-received from everyone throughout the country. And Shaw Murphy gets man of the match.
1: Unbelievable for him, sure unbelievable. I mean I still thing about a tackle he made. He, he ran back, you know, 40, 50 yards and dispossessed. I'm not sure who it was, but he got the handy. Never that was a brilliant tackle. It was unbelievable. That was one of the great, the great uh plays of the game. You know, he was fantastic, it was thrilled for Sean. Sean Murphy came into us. Uh, he had been playing with the Hurters previously. Uh, I would have known Sean and Tommy would have known Sean back from underage. We always got on very, very well with Sean. Sean's a lovely fella, lovely, lovely fella, very quiet chap for the country. Uh, and he faded into the panel really, really well. The lads loved him. They loved him. And he blossomed. He blossomed in the football panel. He really blossomed. The, and uh, his sheer natural strength and speed. Like You know, we often joked in the field, actually, we have a race, we'd have a race between himself and Marcus Lauder to see who was the fastest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, that was great, you know. And um, Dublin didn't con- con- we didn't consider going to Dublin that day. And uh, that was really important. Brendan got sent off just four points in it. I think we might have been a lot closer if that hadn't happened. You know, it was a harsh ending off and you look, uh, we came out of there our heads held high. We were, we were after really, really putting car on the map really with the performance and if you look back over the rest of the championship, it was probably the best performance in Dublin all, all year.
0: Yeah, it was incredible and I suppose what it led to then was first of all, um, a lot of people were buying tickets for Ryanair and Aer Lingus to get across to London and then, you know, which was obviously a great time but I remember being at the Leitrim game then in what's Cullen Park and like, I don't know if I've ever seen a crowd at an All-Division 4 encounter as it would have been yeah. albeit in the championship before. Like, the crowds were just raining in after that Dublin performance.
1: They were, yeah. Look, I think, Carlo, people were just hungry for a team to follow, you know? And one of the things that happened too was, you know, we we, we, we realised, like, you know, that, you know, the image of Carlo was very poor, like, within the county and outside the county. And teams outside Carlo expected to beat us. I'd often buy the provincial newspapers and before National League games and see what they're saying about us, you know, and try to get a few insights into what's going on in the camp that we're playing against. And without fail, we nearly all dismiss Carlo, you know. Uh so we wanted to change that. And one of those we needed to change that was that our our media image was much better, you know. So any chance we got we tried to promote Carlo, and we took up any chance we'd get with interviews for players or the management. Uh at times it's the pain, you know, but uh, I really felt I really feel that this is a big mistake in the G at the moment where teams are denying access to players, to the media, to journalists. The journalists are promoting the game for us. We have a responsibility to promote the game. We got the benefit of it over the last five years because the media, we became media darlings because we were open and we were honest. We we expressed our opinions. There was no, there was no, uh, you know, talking to players, telling them what to say. We let them express themselves freely. Uh, likewise with management, and we were often controversial, but we were honest, and we gave our opinions, and... I think that was appreciated because if you look at what's happening at the moment, most of the interviews with players at the moment are coming, for, for the top teams, are coming at sponsor events. And you have all the media assembled together, and every newspaper the next day has the same story. So, Correct. You know, it's banal. Like, it's, it's, it's not doing anything for the game. We're all glued to watching uh, Let's Dance, you know, uh, Michael Jordan in the basketball. Like, fantastic access. like And look at that promotion for basketball. That's what we need to be doing in the GEA. So we embraced that early on. I mean, thought it was a smart move for us. I thought it worked really, really well for us. The, the, the public got behind us. Uh, obviously, the Dublin result was, was, was massive. The progress we're making in the league. So it was building nicely, you know. And now we had uh, we had a home game in the qualifiers against a team that we could beat, realistically beat, uh, Leitrim we were very, very confident coming down. I think uh, John O'Mahony was with them, there, wasn't he? Was John O'Malley
0: with them? I think he was involved. Yeah, I think he was yeah, involved.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And And um, they were very confident coming down that they were they were going to, to, to reverse the result in the league, you know. Uh, but uh, we were too strong, to be honest with you. We played really well again, two fourteen to thirteen points. Another fine, lovely fine summer's day. I think great time for football, you know. So there we are now, we have two two qualifier wins under
0: our belt, like, you know, and a win over Wexford in the championship. So it's it's a great job already, like, you know. Fantastic. And Monaghan coming to town. Um, I think that was possibly one of my favourite ever days. I was unfortunate enough to not be there for the Calair game. I was stuck in bloody studio that day, but I remember going to the Monaghan game and that was just incredible and even though we lost that game like it was it was just one of those games obviously that we could have won but the buzz behind it and the fact that we were able to compete with a side that you know who'd been contesting on our semi-finals and it was just really like hard to believe I suppose all of a sudden
1: yeah but Kevin this, this is my argument all along like you know here we are we're playing Monaghan and Monaghan's about the same size of Carla, but the same number of clubs and likewise you look at Westmead you look at Leash they've all achieved something and we were sitting in the bottom of Division 4, year in, year out. We could make no progress. Leiton from Division 4, Whitaker got Division 4, but we were stuck at it. We were making no progress whatsoever. And this was riling me uh, all down the years. How the hell is it that we're stuck down here? Why aren't we doing something about this? The only ones who could do this were ourselves. So, uh, Monaghan coming to town wasn't something that scared us. You know, uh, when you were great football and say, obviously, the class footballers, you know, Conor McManus, the Hughes and Rory Began and Conor McCarty all those guys are top-class footballers. Uh, but again, Steve was very familiar, of course, with the Ulster teams, which is a big, big plus to us. So he had a lot of work done on Monaghan. Like he knew a lot about them. He, one of his great strengths is his analysis. Uh, he, 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 um, he, he could do video analysis, uh, five, six-minute video analysis, uh, the morning of a game. We usually get together the morning of a game, about a home game. We might get together about 11 o'clock, half eleven, depending on time of the game. We have a bit of breakfast. And then Stevie do in the analysis. It was five or six minutes. So relevant, so relevant. What we're going to do that day, and what to watch out for in the opposition. And it was short. It was easy to remember it. And uh, we had our homework done. In other words, you know, um, look, we had him. We had him beaten, really, to be honest with you. We had him on the rack. And unfortunately, we made I think two mistakes. Like we turned over ball at a crucial stage of the game. Like we had the game in the palm of our hand for winning, really. Like and. They turned us over, they got the goal like and 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 uh, they pushed on and they won the game like. But look at everybody was, I suppose, was was blown over by the performance really. Like you know, because again, Monaghan were a top side, top top class side, top class footballers here in Dr. Cullen Park. Sure, this is what people are craving, you know. And this is a big mistake we're making in the GA. There are too many games in in Croke Park, in my opinion. We should be bringing them out to, you know, the the uh, county county venues and. In particular, the in Leinster Championship you should play home and away. You know, I, you know, we were to play after this year, and we said we'd toss for the venue. Uh, I think I had no problem playing to no more. Uh, you know, and I think it's better atmosphere in at the local grounds. And um, so we had we had in Carlo with a massive crowd. Great to see the Carlo flags and jerseys, and a great occasion, a great occasion. You know, and um, that year, like you know, we we got a lot of criticism for the way we played football. You know, but it was much of it was was is ignorant It was ignorant to be honest with you they they didn't understand what we're doing you know people say we're defensive we weren't defensive Uh, we're no more defensive than anybody else Um, if you look at closely at Dublin games you'll see how many players get back behind the ball the difference is is how well you can transition from defence to attack and that's the that's the advantage that Dublin have you know they're they're friggin' gazelles Um. So that year, like we scored ten goals in the National League that year. You know, we're one of the top scoring sides in, in National Football like I'm not talking Division Four now. I'm talking about over the four divisions. Uh, our scoring record that year was very, very good. And there's been some amazing statistics uh, produced by some of the statisticians about this. You know, uh, our our progress was phenomenal. Like you know, and I think that was that was over that was overlooked by by the critics. You know, they're all. I like to have a, a gocha, you, you know. The Joe Bradley's this Joe Broly, Jesus Christ! Uh, these lads love to have a gocha, and it's a soundbite for them. But you know, it's offensive to players and, and team managers in small counties who are trying to do their best and listen to nonsense and guff from the likes of those. That's not analysis; that's that's just sensationalism. You know, it's just headline grabbing. But anyway, that's his problem.
0: You went on with Wally Parkinson as well, and Wally had a pop of Carlo on a few occasions, but you still went on and uh, and fought your battle with him.
1: Which, yes, I did. i give it back to him. I'll give it back to him again tomorrow if he wants it.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's uh, covering a similar cloth as as broadly at times, I would find.
1: Yeah, look, you know, I I think there's been a big failing in in, in Carlo football and, and and in the other counties that are like Carlo that they don't stand up for themselves. You know, that they, they've accepted their position that they're going to be whipping boys. That they're going to be beaten out the gate. That you know that they have to take this nonsense from Brawley or from from Parkinson. You don't have to take any of it. Stand up for yourselves and fight back. And I think this is a weakness. For I had this discussion uh, by message this morning with a player from from another county uh, who was contacting me, and, and this is what he admired about Carlo was that we stood up for ourselves and fought for ourselves. And I made the point of said all these counties should be standing together. They should have a strategy about what they want to achieve, you know, with this tier two like. Uh and that's why we're that's why it's been defeated, because they've no structure, they're no there's no strategy, they're not working together to prevent it happening. And we're being we're being sidetracked now by, you know, uh, a president from Dublin, the all and Champions, uh, who wants to concentrate on the top eight, you know, the Super Eights. That's basically what they're talking about. Uh that's not what the GA is about. And look, it's a, you know yourself; it's a big pet hate of mine, and uh, it's so important, as I say, that we fight, we fight for everything we get. Like you know, that we, do, we just don't accept, we just don't accept what people are throwing up at us.
0: Yeah, and I suppose that those stats were kind of um, further emphasised in twenty eighteen. You know, I'll come to the promotion and that day up north in, in a few moments' time. But I think in those two championship games against Loud and Kildare, there was um, a combined total of, I think, was it. Oh, it's something ridiculous in two games, aren't you? You got two fourteen against Kildare and it was a two seventeen against. That's right, louder, Yeah,
1: yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Huge, it score, was like huge massive score. scores in two games for us. Team defensive, like
1: defensive teams, like you know. Now they'll tell you they're from freeze. Uh that's fine. Why do we get freeze? You're earning them because we're fouled in scoring position. <laughs> Thanks very much. We we'll take those.
0: <laughs> yeah, and just on that as well, just just while I have you, I mean, I've been speaking to the likes of Mark Carpenter recently on this podcast, and Simon Ray is coming up um, in a couple of weeks' time. Do you think if you had the like of a Simon or a Mark, that maybe more scores would have come from play? And again, it's not a pop of lads that are there, but it just seemed going back ten, fifteen years ago, we had maybe a couple of more naturally free-scoring forwards. It's
1: Kevin, really. It's to argument really we didn't have them you know and it can't compare eras even you know uh, I look back to that era actually and this is one of the frustrations for me we had brilliant footballers uh, in that era uh, and brilliant defenders as well and we squandered it in my opinion you know we should have been making progress much 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 sooner than we did with the team previous to this, in my opinion, we should have been playing Division 2 football years ago, quite honest with you. Uh, we had class footballers. We're class midfielders. Uh, we had everything, really. But what we did have, though, we had a huge turnover of players at times and a huge turnover of managers, uh, which didn't help us, you know. Um, so, look, it's a different era. Uh, so, you know, it's I, like picking these teams of 50 years, like, I mean, it's, you know, there's 100 opinions on it, you know. So I don't really get into that.
0: Well, that's fair enough. Well, let's go back to 2018 then in promotion. Six games in the trot, six victories. And uh, yeah, it was snowing pretty heavily, I think, that day up north. So unfortunately, a lot of supporters couldn't actually be there. But what a day.
1: Yeah, look, that was a very uh, bad winter. Um, for some reason, the last few winters have been horrific, actually. Horrific. The worst weather we've ever trained in has been the last two or three winters. Uh, it was nonstop. We either snored gale force winds or freezing temperatures rain we had everything but uh, that weekend was pretty bad it was snowing and we went up we stayed in Tyrone actually and um pig snow when we were up there and the word came through and the roads were blocked so the people the supporters couldn't come up but some some got up some had come up the night before as well so we had a, we had a we had a small crowd up there supporting us and it was a look it was it was a it was a real battle you know it was it was. It was. Uh, you're going to Antrim at the moment, like, and they've the, not dedicated county grounds, you know, and all their club pitches. You know, they're not really wonderful, perspective, spectator wise, accommodation wise, and um, so you always know it's going to be a, a batter tight pitches, and um, Antrim would fancy themselves as well, you know, they're they're always some lovely lovely uh, forward uh, talent in, in Antrim, and to be very arrogant and cocky, probably because of Belfast, maybe you know, a city kind of a outlook on it. And uh, they'd always fancy beating Carlo, you know. So, mind you, we had some great results in in Belfast. You know, we drew up there previously as well. Um, so, uh, yeah, look, it was it was a it was a tough battle. It's a tough battle, tough conditions, and look, we got the result, and we knew we were going up, uh, which was fantastic. I mean, unbelievable. You know, uh, such a release of emotions after the game uh, between the players and supporters that were up. Like it was just incredible. I like, can. I don't think it'll ever be forgotten by the players, you know. Um, finally, at last, we go to Division 4, like, because it's been so hard. You know, as I said the year before, we were third. before that, we were fourth and fifth year before that. And, yeah, you know, you're always thinking, "Is we ever going to do it, like, you know. And it's, this is my fear with the, with the Tier 2 championship. Like, a lot of counties that are saying, yeah, we'll go ahead with that, they might never get to the final of it even. They might even get to the final of it. It could be dominated by the top teams in Division 3. And, uh, you know, they're cutting their noses off despite their faces. And look, look, at we, we we achieved it. You know that was the big, big goal from the time I came in was to get the team out of Division Four. Uh, could we could we show you know that we did have the footballers that we did have the ability to compete at a higher level, and that helped in Antrim. We proved it
0: uh, without a doubt that we did. And
1: uh, look, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant, and it it'll, it'll stay with us to the
0: grave. You know. Yeah, fantastic times. Um, a couple of disappointing outings then against the boys across the borough.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look again, there was three very disappointing matches against Leach, really, in my opinion. No, because I do think we had a better team than Leash, but we didn't perform on any of the days, really. Uh, even though we were close enough in, in summer like it was, how was it, it was uh, the last game they won by a point, didn't they? Um, in Cara and that's right, Jack. Points, yeah, and then the better in the league final, fifteen points to eleven. Again, we I thought we 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 allowed ourselves it caught really like, you know, we played into their into their hands really. They were kind of mirroring us in what we were doing and uh we didn't break out of it, you know. Um yet yeah, it was only fifteen points for but we should have we should have been a lot closer, I thought. Um Top we had a couple of goal chances, it didn't take them. So look, it was the National League final in crow park, it's not to be sniffed at, you know. Um Okay, you're lost to the old enemy, like, but it was it was great progress. Uh, we weren't overly down about it because we knew we were going to push on again anyway, like, you know. So, look at um, these things happen as the fella said, you know. Um, definitely regret, you know, um, especially the rivalries are keen, you know, and it's great those rivalries are so important to GA, you know, because a lot of obviously you know, interchanges between Leash and Car in terms of club fixtures and challenge games and. Lad socialising town. so Townsend would be very familiar with each other, you know, and uh, you always love to beat the, 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 the neighbouring county, like, but there was nothing in it, like, you know, and it was a thing, it was good sporting rivalry right, right right between us,
0: absolutely. So then, you know, the two games you mentioned, Loud's first, um, a really complete performance almost, or or we saw we thought it was complete and then we didn't kick away well, against Kildare,
1: yeah, yeah. Well, I thought it was a brilliant performance against Loud, like, you know. You know, when you go back, I think a couple of years before that, like they had hammered us in Portlaoise, um, murdered us, uh, 24 to three eleven, high scoring game as well. Like, but this time, I thought we really, we really bossed that game physically. Like, Jesus, this was a, this was a huge Cairo team, really. You know, and. Um, it's very rarely you see that in Cardinal we're bigger than the opposition but we were stronger we were more powerful we were fitter. we were faster uh, and we played brilliant football absolutely brilliant football like you know and they had no answer it was 217 to 12 points like it was a big big beating like and again Loud would have been Loud would be you know it's a good little football county like you know and some great club sides in it Um, you know they'd, they'd see themselves as being uh, further far ahead of Carl, I would say you know uh, so it was a great win for us, like a great win for us, and it set us up then for the game with Kildare now And I suppose really that was that—that was the pinnacle, really, for me, of our time. And you know, to go through a game like with the we gave a defensive masterclass, Kevin, that day. Like were, we're absolutely brilliant. Um, the work rate of the players working back the field, uh, to transition to attack. You know, two fourteen to one ten, no wide, like you couldn't. You, you, you couldn't forecast it, like, you know, and I felt if it had gone on for 10 minutes, we'd have won by a lot more even. And, you know, it's not that long ago, I'm going back to 2014 now, and, um, Calair juniors were the only team we get to play us. You know, the senior team wouldn't even entertain us. And I'm sure that was in their heads as well, you know, I felt, Caron were there to be, got out of the way really, you know, and, and move on to the next round, like, you know, and, uh, they had no answer. They had no answer, you know. And look, um, you have to give the credit to our lads. One hundred percent, we were the better team. We played a better football. From the one to fifteen and the subs that came in, they all gave outstanding performances. You know, there was no, there was no, there was no bad performance. From a player that day. I think every one of them was on top of their man. And uh, as I say, look, at, I think Carlo people will remember that forever and ever. Like you know, and um, just fantastic, just fantastic.
0: Yeah, they say uh, horse's goal was like a moment in time. Um, it just seemed to go in, in yeah. slow motion. It was yeah, just yeah. unbelievable.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, we we'll never forget that, you know. And to see a see a cornerback come up and doing that, like you know, but. Um Look, we've been working on that. This how we're talking about transition. You know, in the modern game, here you, know, you have a cornerback stepping up and scoring a goal at far end, being very composed as well. If you think of what he had to do, like, he had a lot of work to do and carried it beautifully and put it in a corner. And, like, it was a fantastic finish, absolutely fantastic finish, you know. And uh, that's the modern game where you need to be able to, to go from defence to attack, and you know, you've got to be able to finish if you're up in that position. And he, and he did the job that day, and it's something that he'll cherish for the rest of his life.
0: The boys across the borough got the better of a skin in the in Leicester semi-final, unfortunately. But, I mean, the day against Tyrone then, in particular, that was another massive day. Yeah, Not yeah.
1: look, that was the the, the scorching hot summer, like, you know, and uh, Tyrone were one of the top teams for the last uh, 10, 15 years, really. Mickey Hart, an iconic manager, coming to town, stars to the team as well. And, um, you know, um, People again would have feared that you'd be beaten up the gate by these guys, and uh, because they are, they're, you know, I would have gone up uh, with Tommy up to watch Antrim playing Tyrone in the Burn Company that year, um, or not doing the Burn in the in the McKenna Cup, up in up in Oma, freezing cold night, like, and you could just see how tactically superior they were to Antrim. You know, their movement was phenomenal. Uh, Colin Cavanaugh was playing as a, a double sweeper, and just. They were just so organised, you know, so organised. And this is a team that was coming to meet us, like, you know, and obviously, you know, two All Ireland's under Mickey, and they were, they were, you know, they've they, been phenomenal. The like, county, it's a huge GA county, as you know, Um, 1986 Ireland final, and one of our own, John Owens, was involved in that year. John John was in London, met up with Plunkett Donahue, and ended up back in the in Moy in Tyrone, transferred to play with the Moy and uh, got on the Tyrone panel. Uh, John was a beautiful footballer, absolutely class footballer. Get um, on that, old, that, that Tyrone panel anyway. But, uh, so they were coming down and uh, it was a packed, packed occasion in, Dr. Cullen, in Medwatch Cullen Park and scorching hot day, the pitch was burned to a cinder. cinder. To a cinder, there wasn't a green blade on, it was all brown and... Uh, you know the Clare supporters or the Tyrone supporters came down and 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 they had one of the great days for themselves. Even they said that afterwards. You know that the reception of car was fantastic because there has been a lot of negativity about Tyrone. You know, uh, very unfair to way they're Brilliant GA County, absolutely brilliant GA County, and you know, superb footballers, uh, superbly conditioned. You know, these guys live, breed, drink football. They rival themselves in Armagh for those... That period was massive, and uh, Mickey Hart was one of the revolutionary managers, you know. And um, we here we had him in Dungannon Park, and again, you know, uh, we bossed that game in the early stages. You know, the first twenty minutes, twenty five minutes, Carlo were the better team. You know, without a doubt, we were the better team. Uh, we controlled the game. This is one of one of the things that Portra brought is how we control the games. You know, we we dictated the pace of games, and we talked about the Dublin game as well. You know, about that Dublin setting. You know, playing their game, and some would see the spoiling the game but at the time we'd slow the game down and we'd try to break up the game and um, we'd disrupt the opposition's flow and uh, you know we did that against Tyrone and uh, we hit them on the break ourselves and look at uh, they got through for a goal then a great goal to work through the middle and uh, you know kind of put the data between the teams and they won, it, they won in the entry 14 to 110 it was a great car performance, a super car performance that day again like you know and as I say it was a massive occasion for the promotion of football in Carlow uh, Everybody was at it, I think. I don't think it was anybody who wasn't at it, you know. And the colour, the jerseys, the children with the jerseys on them. And um, this is what it's all about. Like, this is what the GA is all about. Like, and these are the days that are so important to Carlo and, you know, Wicklow, Wexford, Leitrim. You know, all these counties need days like that, you know, if the GAs to thrive in the country. We don't want to. You know, reduce it to eight teams because that's what's going to happen eventually if they keep going the way they're going. And uh, I think we have to fight it as much as we can. But uh, super super day for us. Uh, we were we were absolutely you know, buzzing after it. You know, even though we were defeated, like it was it was fantastic and you know, the players there to mix with those guys after the game and swap jerseys and all that. Like you know, it was great great occasion.
0: It was indeed. So in twenty nineteen, I suppose it was a case of fine margins in the league could easily have been in the fight for promotion, but ultimately got relegated in the end and not without controversy I suppose, let's be honest about it.
1: Oh Jesus, stop the lights, will you? Um you know, look, <laughs> we were we were relegated an injury time in the last day. Um again we were up in Port Leash again and uh, the game went down went down close to the wire like uh, we were we were depending on, on Sligo above an offaly or uh, yeah at home against Offaly and with thirty seconds to go uh, it looked like we were we were home and dry, and we were going to stay in Division Three. And after we got a score at the very end, uh, to 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 beat us on the head to head, and they stayed up and we went down. Now, even though we we had a better score and the score difference, they had on the day. Like so suppose you were if you were looking at the table, you said we were sixth, they were seventh. But uh, 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 on the head to head, they they were ahead. So. But we, we were very unlucky in, 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 in 2019. You know, we're up in Division Division 3, brilliant start, uh, beating Sligo at home, one eleven 11 7 and up again to Westmead, another draw on Westmead. <laughs> um, we seem to have a habit of drawing with Westmead, you know. Uh, again, uh, they're one of the favourites for promotion. We drew with them there. And uh super performance. So we had we had three points on the board already in the first two games in division three. You know, it was looking great for us. Um we were we were playing Longford and we had a very poor performance in Longford, one of our worst performances. Longford seemed to be one of those teams who would just can't seem to get around as well, you know. Um that was a disappointing performance. Heads dropped after that a little bit, I'd say, uh went to Offaly and again some very, very controversial refereeing up here in Offaly. Um, you know, it's it's very hard to take these decisions when they happen. You know, um, yeah, you, you, you just you know, it, it's so important that that, that uh, there's more consistency in the refereeing. I, I really feel it's affecting you know the outcome of games, and it shouldn't be that way. Like you know, I think I think the assessment process should be should be rectifying rectifying these mistakes. You know, they shouldn't be keeping being repeated and repeated and repeated. And it's happening with the same referees over and over again. And um, the number of players sent off that day for ridiculous things absolutely ridiculous things and uh, in, actually interesting well, that day was actually it was an all and final referee doing the line that day I was standing on the line and, and off awful the player I won't say his name no but uh, he was on top of a card of players on top of Jordan Marsh. he told me to get up off him and he got up and he came over the side it and he pushed me uh, full on at the chest and the uh, lines were standing on the referee I looked at him and he looked away and off he went. And there was nothing done about that. Like, you know, so it's these are things that frustrate you, you know. I wasn't looking for anything at yeah. all, but it's just the fact that the inconsistencies are there, like, you know, and um so you know, we were we were very 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 frustrated at the Aquamoto off Lee. Like we should have done better. Um, but the ref I thought the referee had a huge impact in that game. We bounced back then, uh, get allowed, good win over loud again. Um and then, of course, the famous game of all this was when would have been a down game, you know, at home could Cullen Park. This was a huge game for many reasons. I put Stevie in particular, like you know, down man himself, pro down man. Normally, he'd be shouting for down, but here he was in the sideline, plotting against down. Where he would have had, you know, he would have had a lot of difficulties in down uh, with the county board down the years. You know, kind of this kind of, you know, I suppose when you're passionate like Stevie is, and uh, like myself, maybe at times you do get yourself in the wrong places. You, you do you do draw uh, attention to yourself that you're not that you shouldn't at times, but anyway, uh, it was a huge game for Stevie, like, and he would know all the down players as well, and down obviously had ambitions too of, you know, getting getting out of the division, you know, and was some shocking, shocking, shocking decision. I mean, at the end of the game, like, uh, look, uh, you know, the way that game finished up, like. Um, the, the game was over to draw. The game was the game was over, and the injury team was played, and 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 the game was level, and he went on and he played extra time anyway and gave a free. I don't know why to get the free far, don't kick the win and score. Like we came back down the field, uh, he kinda gave us a chance to get get a chance. Went back down the field, then Sean Murphy's pulled down and blows the game off. I never saw it like in my life, you know. And but we knew we knew there and then, like really, that was probably going to that was going to be a, that was going to be a relegation, you know, um, downward thrilled, downward, thrilled, uh, downward sure, they had, they had a cheap promotion themselves that day, but they got a nasty, a nasty one the last day, because Loud beat them, uh, at home in Newry, you know, so, uh, just goes to show you, you know, it's not over, till it's over, um, but it was, I thought the decisions that they were absolutely shocking, and obviously, there was consequences afterwards, um, the referee's report was disgraceful, um, we had further evidence to disprove uh some of the things they said in that report, blatantly, uh disprove it. And we had some very serious charges against myself and they were disproved completely because there was there was cameras present to prove that. And when we appealed it, the suspension was in, was increased twenty weeks. So um I don't know where the logic is in that, like, you know. So it's frustrating when you have that happen because after the hearings, you know, you're talking to these people afterwards and they concede to you, oh yeah, 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 there, it's that shouldn't have happened like but... Rules are rules, you know. It's 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 not right. Justice has to be seen to be done as well, you know. And um, it's just not good enough that that you know that that uh, you know that you're, you're tied up in rules, really, you know. And and you know, on that particular occasion, we had evidence, we had evidence to disprove what was said, and uh, it made no no difference, you know. So. We 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 uh, went down to leash in the last game, as I say, and and luckily got that that winning score in injury time to get promoted to stay up, and we, we we went down. So that was that was the greatest moment. I think. But,
0: and was that the year out of tires then completely for the rest of the year? Because obviously there was yeah. a couple of disappointing results. Did you feel at that point? Look, yeah, well, look, things Brendan weren't going so well.
1: Brendan was out for the championship. Stephen was suspended. I was suspended. Like it was a huge, it was a huge blow to Carl, you know. And look, I suppose you know I'll have to put my hand up as well and say, look at. You know, I should have known better. I should have known better. I knew the individual involved and I knew what he had done in previous games and uh I should have just bit me tongue like, but it's very hard. It's very hard to it's very hard to accept this. It's very when you, when you put so much into it and, and you're getting blackguarded, it's it's very really hard to accept it, you know.
0: Yeah, I understand. I understand completely. Um like I don't even know. Is there the only thing I would say in regards to twenty twenty because it's been so disrupted? Was there a thought at any stage to maybe step down the end of last year when your best this was Tommy goes, Benji goes, uh, Stevie goes?
1: Well, actually, yeah. You now what at the end of the, of the campaign? Yeah, I was I was stepping away. I definitely was stepping away. But so, so, of course, Stevie rings me. He says, "Look at uh, look, we we'll stay on again. We we'll stay on again, and look, we will we'll prove this was this was just a you know a blip, and we will get promoted again. We we'll win it. We we'll, we we'll go back and win it." That was the end. We'd go back and win it. Steve was all on for himself. Two of us on for it. So, uh, of course, it was a long summer and Steve was at home and he got used to not traveling down the road. You know, like, it was a massive commitment on his part to be up and down the road, you know, and it's particularly bad when you come to the winter months, you know, and the roads are frosty, icy, wet, you know, potholed. And he's making that journey three days a week. And I'd say he probably came on a little pressure at home, like from family life, you know, and uh, he had a rethink about it and he said look I'm not going to be able to do this I can't face it he had changed schools as well he was now in Craig Avon and that was further north uh, but it was it wasn't it was off the waterway so it wasn't too bad in one way but but it was still you know it was a long long journey again for him that he was facing and he said look it, I just can't I just don't have the heart uh, to do that journey anymore and I have to think of family and uh, it's kind of burnt out burnt out like uh, I was myself and uh so I said, look, I can't do it. So so that was it. So he was gone and, and then had to get a replacement, you know. So Stephen Amara came on board then. Stephen's a dub and uh, very good an, an analytical mind, uh, very good analysis. Um, and he was only finding his feet, really, you know, because if you remember, uh, we had Aero going through the Leclerc Club final. So we didn't have them until... The week before the league final, really, and then the cigarettes got on as well, so the panel was disrupted, like, so it was very hard to get any work, really good quality tactical work done uh, in that period. And uh, then, of course, Covid came as well, like, so there was there was uh, the season was completely uh, messed up, like, but uh, we were tipped off, we were leading an injured time in, in most of those games where we dropped points. Bar the, the Wexford game. And we really should have, we should have got results there, and we would have been would have been more contented for promotion. And that would nearly have been worse, to be quite honest with you, because here we are now in 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 June, and no one knows what's happening with promotion relegation. And I just hope that they find some way to resolve that for the counties that are in that position, because it's most unfair if you know the league is abandoned now, and Limerick and Antrim and Wexford, whoever it is, are, are in contention. Don't get to step up to Division Three. Uh, I think he'd be very hard on them, you know, because it's very hard to go back again if if that happens. If it's, if it's taken away from you like that, so I think they'll have to find somewhere in early twenty twenty one to finish those games that are, uh, you know, that are going to affect relegation promotion. So yeah, uh, yeah. Look, it, there, you you would say that. Look at it. We had a bad year. We didn't really have a bad year. Uh, we were just being tipped off, uh, uh, Kevin. Really, like, and we could just as easily be in promotion position as as where we were. Um, the camp was training very well. Uh, things were going quite well when we had everybody back. And uh, we're beginning to get – we're had uh, some great ideas about attacking play, which maybe we needed to develop in our game. And uh, we were working on that. We had some great, great ideas. Uh, you'll probably see some of the clubs in Carl use them this year, in fact, I'd say to improve their own games, you know. So, uh, look, at the season didn't the finish. That's the bottom line, really, you know. So, it's the same for everybody.
0: Right, so I have a couple of other things to get to now, right? And uh, I'm conscious of, of time here, so I don't want to keep you all there because yeah, you have to get me dinner there this evening and all that <laughs> kind of stuff. Right. But anyway, um, I want to talk about your friendship w- with Tommy Wogan and, and what you've done down through the years as well mm-hmm. because I'm reliably informed you won 13 minor championships today, Rogue. You've never lost a county final with a Rogue. He reckons he carried you for most of your career. I have photo evidence now to prove that because uh, you're on his back going around the basket somewhere. Uh, you've been to Chicago. You went around in a silver dream machine. You kicked around with Mick O'Connell. We did. And <laughs> you, ate, you ate some random guy's apple tart on the way without him knowing as well. Oh, uh, that, <laughs> that's quite your friendship.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, yeah. Well, look, you have to hear the whole story then because uh, Tommy, you know, he tells tales and it's simply got her legs too, you know, uh, He's not going to put a little bit onto an old story, so I got to embellish it. But I got to know Tommy Wogan many years ago. Uh, the two of us were in the Rover Club Disco. He was going out with a girl, and I think she had uh, uh, dumped him, looking for her And he was down with <laughs> the dumps. You know, Tommy's a very emotional fella. He shows it straight away. I didn't really know him that well. I knew who he was. We were, we, were, we were in school, like we weren't. We weren't friends, like so. I had a car. He didn't know a car. I said, "Do you want to lift home?" I gave him a lift home down to. Greenland, to his mother's house. And I said to him, listen, I'm going over to Galway tomorrow. John connolly playing his last hurling game for Castle Gar. And I'd like to go over to see it. He went and come over. And Tommy wasn't really into hurling at the time. He says, so sure, your you pick me up, he says. So I picked him up the next day. Over we went to Galway anyway. And on the way we find out, the game is called off. It's not on. So uh, then we said, we'll go to Westport. I think Galloway were playing Mayo in the championship in Westport. So we went over to Westport. We only had the car. Had no arrangements no to stay anywhere. Uh, Tommy knew somebody that stayed in a house, in their own Westport house. Um, he, I don't know. I think he knew someone from Anchor or something years ago. And that didn't work out too well anyway because was there, there was there was a big gang of people back in the house and their mother walked up and she threw everybody out. So we were on the side of the road then we went over to go. So... We drove out the road. We had to sleep in the car that night uh, uh, in front of an old, it looked like an old broken down cottage and wake up in the morning about six o'clock and start kicking ball in the road and just kind of looked at the house and kind of rattled the door a little bit and there was somebody inside the house. So we just we got to him through away. That was kind of the start of it. So uh, then we, we got together and we started... Tommy got involved in football with me, you know. I, I would have been a lot of football at the time, obviously. And... Uh, we were the first two of three that completed level one coaching in Carla. the third one was Neave Dobbs uh, the great Neave Dobbs from Fenna and the three of us completed down on Wexford didn't think Murphy Floods it was it, we were the first level one coaches in Cardinal football and it kind of blossomed from there uh, we were absolutely like sponges to learn and we travelled the country to find out something and look at teams training, uh, more training sessions The teams we shouldn't have been at. And um, just hungry for knowledge, really, you know, and looking to get better at it. And of the same mind, like, you know, that, Jesus, why can't we do what they're doing, you know? And uh, maybe a bit naive at times, maybe, you know, but uh, that was our approach, like, you know, and uh, our travels took us all over the country, all over the country. Uh, distance was no object, no object whatsoever. Um yeah, we were down in Kerry one year and uh, I had a van and me, two girls are with us and we, were, we went over to Adventure Island and uh, Tommy said, I just, you know, I'd, I'd always love to meet Mick O'Connell, he says. "And am driving down the road anyway. Tommy's in the back of the van actually and <laughs> uh, I can see Mick O'Connell walking in the same direction as I'm going on the road and I come to a halt right beside Mick O'Connell and I said, Tommy, open that door quick. Opens the door, oh, and there's Mick O'Connell looking in at him. So out he gets, anyway. And Mick O' says, Come up to the house. So we went up to the house to Mick O'Connell, anyway, and we had a great chat with him an absolutely great chat. With him. Mick O'Connell was just a gentleman, a lovely man, a uh, bit of an introvert, a uh, different man to Mick O'Dwyer now, completely different, and uh, sure, one of the greatest footballers of all time. Like, but took out the football and he O'Neill's football in the garden and he started belting the ball across the garden to us. And you had to catch it first time on your chest. He didn't do that. He would he, he'd be roaring at you. So we're at that for about half an hour. And then he says, come out here. He says, I want you to jump over this. And he took out this big stake. And he put it on top of the gate pillars at the front gate. And he's in his 60s now at this stage. He says, I want you to jump over that. He says, he will me back jump over. In and out over. He was jumping himself for about 10 minutes. Make up. Uh, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing, you know. And uh, So we had great escapades like that around the country. You know, we were... We were in, we were in uh, the dressing room in, in 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 Fitzgerald Stadium after the Munster final one year with Kerry and Kerry and Cork. We got on the pitch and before we knew it, the two of us were in the dressing room with the Kerry lads sitting down between them all. And Billy Morgan came in to get the, the, the speech at the end of it to thank them for the game. We're, there we are sitting there, with the on my listening, and she getting them all of us. Mad stuff like that happened to us, you know. Uh, so we had this great old love of the game, and, um, and Tommy was great. Tommy was great for 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 you know making introductions to people and, and get to chat with them and uh, we could end up anywhere like we could end up anywhere like we were all over the country and uh I regret there were great days we were great great friendship out of it and we did train minor teams together and I think we did win thirteen minor championships uh, we never lost a final um at any well at any level uh, we, we never lost a senior final either and uh, Tommy was the most underrated uh, coach. Uh, in, in, I've ever come across really like he never got the credit he should have got um, he was my right hand man all the way through and I couldn't say enough good things about him and any club he was with he made a fantastic impression on the players because a real what you see with Tommy is what you get he's a really really sincere and genuine fella and as I say I always wanted the right thing um, the difference between me and him is what Tommy I'd say Tommy's too nice I am probably a bit too ruthless you know uh, we're kind of that's the kind of personalities we are, I suppose, you know. Um but uh, we we certainly, yeah, we had one year at the minor. I think I heard Paul Kelly talk about it the other night there. We were we were going out to play Kindaven in the minor league. When you know, I the young that's in the minors back in the back of the car, and I heard him talking, just overheard him talking, they're saying, Oh, Joe Roach always picks up Eric McConnell, no matter where he goes. So I wouldn't have known him at that stage because 'cause they're only coming up from under sixteen I was and Wouldn't have known that but Joe Roach always picks up Eric McConnell, wherever he goes, he always picks him up and talked to him more about it anyway. And lo and behold, the championship came around anyway, and the two was in up in the in the final, I think it was, and Eric got injured. He tore his hamstring and couldn't play. And Joe Watch was in our book, in our minds, their best player. Uh, he was going to be centre back. Eric was going to be centre forward. So we lined up Eric centre forward anyway. And we had told him before, and look at you, are not even going to touch the ball. Once you go to the corner flag, once you stand on the corner flag, we're going to get, we're going to roar and shout at you to go of the game and so when you're going to Give out to us back and that was the play anyway and he went to the corner and Joel watched follow him anyway and he stood beside the corner for night for let's say 55 minutes and uh, at that stage we had Galavan bet uh, they brought Joel for the last few minutes it was too late uh, that was one of the great things that happened one of the great funny memories we have you know but uh, the great thing about those years was though that I we love training minor teams and to be honest with you, I never wanted to do anything else. Only try minor things, but I suppose the hand oh, The Blues got on top there in '98. Great team won that Leinster championship, and they we're still on top there, you know, through the early two thousands. And Aero couldn't seem to get their act together. Really, like it looked like we're never going to win a championship in the in the '90s. Uh, it was a real, really looking like that, you know. And in two thousand five, then I said, look at, I can't look at this any longer. I'm going to put my name in for a senior job. And uh, I got it, and Tommy came with me, and so we we had a great relationship with the players because we had them up through the the underage, the minors and under-21 teams, and we had a fantastic relationship with the players. And It was a super-arrow team, super, super super-arrow team. It was full of character. And I thought that was probably the best win we ever had in the county final, was that one over the 100s in that county. That was a very, very physical battle, and we won that physical battle with a very young team. the Hammers were expected to win that game easy, but uh, we turned the tables on them and really we launched ourselves forward. Then you know uh, for the rest of the decade and the Hammers fell away after that. Um, but at that time um, we used to do very innovative things. We bring the lads off for training, you know, Claw or uh, we brought them to Lockery College in Kloks uh for a session with John Morrison. The whole day with John Morrison on the Saturday. And this was in August time, I think, and. Uh, with a brilliant day absolutely brilliant, 24 players brilliant day stayed in the dormitories in, in the college there was no distractions got our work done and the next morning then we we're supposed to the lads tell we we're training again the next morning but in fact we had a game arranged so we hopped the boys in the car didn't tell them where we were going we drove to Lavie in Derry and Mickey Moore and John Morrison were in charge of, of Derry at that time and the Allard and semi we finally think it was and they wanted to try their game plans and the A-Rogue team played that full Derry team in Lavi in a practice game no one knew about it uh, we were there to try and disrupt their game plans and it was the most fantastic learning experience for the players and they got massive confidence out of massive belief here we're on, on the pitch here you know with uh, Edna Muldoon and Bradley and all these guys and um, uh, it just getting great belief in themselves you know and it rose their, their I suppose their ambitions and their expectations of themselves and it kind of took off from there really you know so uh, we did some great things like that down the years, you know, and uh, we built great friendships with the players. It was, it was always about really, it wasn't really about winning as such, really as much, well. you know, it was really about the will to win, really more than anything else, you know, and preparing properly and uh, doing things right, you know. I would have been, I'd be kind of a strict disciplinarian in many ways, like you know that I wouldn't make any messing going on on uh, off the field, and I I would I, I would I would be very strong on that, you know, on any teams that we'd involve with we wouldn't tolerate it and players knew that and we never had to make any rules and as a result afterwards and that's just the way we we operated and the players, uh, the players were all, they're all clued in like, you know and it's the same with the county team at the moment, you know, players are clued in and you don't need to be making rules, you don't need to have any great disciplinary codes, nothing like that, like glad they're doing it because they want to do it and uh, they're putting too much into it to mess around, you know, so uh, oh, we had great days, now we had another day up there, geez, we went up one weekend and we stayed in a and, 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 uh, falling down hostel in near Carlingford, uh, in Omid. And uh, we had a weekend up there, we did the day of training and team building stuff. And next morning, we went over to Mullabon and we played Mullabon in a practice game. And Simon Ray had to drive up, he couldn't stay for some reason. I think I don't think Tracy would let him away. Uh, he was under he was under her, her tomahawk, and he still is. And. <laughs> Uh, so he had to drive home then on his own. I go, no, he brought some lads with him as well. And of course, he got to Dublin. Of course, that Dublin, you know, same in a country chap. He ended up nearly in Wexford. He, that's how 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 good a sense of direction he has. Uh, he, he he got home two days later, I think. You know, so <laughs> there to of if under on the way.
0: Yeah, and like just to, just to add as well, with those thirteen minor championships, you won a lot of them when you weren't actually. That much older than the players, so I know like Garvin Ware and Muckle and lads. You would have coached minor winning championship teams that they were playing on.
1: Yeah, we would have. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we wouldn't have been much older than to be honest with you. Yeah, yeah. Um, Everybody said minor was a terrible grade to to coach, like that. They're difficult, and yeah, young lads are mad for action, mad to get out, and you know all that like. But I found the exact opposite. I found. They were eating out the palm of our hands, like you know. We had done a lot of work, and we'd done a lot of preparation, like you know. We'd done a lot of work on, you know, the mental aspect of the game, the psychology of the game. Uh, we'd done a lot of stuff that you wouldn't normally touch on, particularly at minor level, like and and those teams were so well prepared, like you know that really. Uh, you know, the ring of the pound were hand-like and, and even though we were much, not much older than them, you know, we had, we had a great relationship with them and as I say to you, it was a much about the journey with those lads as it was about the results. We didn't concentrate on the results at all, to be honest with you. They just happened. And I'll tell you what actually ha- probably happened in fairness. They, we probably shouldn't have won all those championships because a lot of times, a lot of the teams, and Tenor Ryan in particular would have been guilty of this, would have been uh, when they got to the final that they felt in their own minds they couldn't beat Airog and that's what happened. Uh, they couldn't beat us and uh, not something we, we won by default but they didn't know how to win and that's probably a weakness in a lot of teams even at Intercontinental that's Carle had a problem didn't know how to win you know uh, so there's a lot of learning along the way there you know and that that, that comes from the confidence that you build up in a team and the tradition and the culture around the team the culture around the team is hugely important to Kevin uh, it has to be a healthy culture like it has to be a place where players look forward to coming to train players come and they are trusted the management trust him. And uh, at times players might take advantage of that, you know, and people say, Oh, Jesus, he's pulling the wool over your eyes like, but you know, at the end of the day, John Wooden, the great basketball coach, always said, My best friend is the bench. And that's where to go when they break that unwritten code. Like if someone wants to mess around, that's where they end up and they end up on the bench and they learn their lesson eventually, you know.
0: They do indeed. Listen, Torlo, we could go on forever, but um I've uh I've something for you to listen to. Well, Tarlo, I just like to give you a quick little message to say thank you so much for six years of my career. Um there's no doubt that it would have been it would have been a hell of a lot shorter only for you before you came in. Um I think you've always got a, a special place down in Kildavan to with with the people and I think that that, that bond is, is, is fairly evident for everyone to see. But look from my own point of view, I just want to thank you for everything that you've done for the last for the whole panel for the last for the last six years. It's been it's been an incredible journey and uh, I've no doubt we'll see you back on the sideline or in some capacity with, with Carlo G in the future. Best of luck to Thanks.
2: Hi, Turlough. I want to thank you for an amazing six years as manager of Carlow Football. You've laid an incredibly strong foundation for Carlow Football to build upon and you've put us on the map. Um, We had some great days, Tyrone, Dublin, Kildare, two outings in Croke Park and most of all promotion up, up in Antrim. You've given us all memories to cherish for a lifetime and I know I'll never forget them. Personally you've afforded me opportunities that without you would not have been possible. I want to thank you for the passion, the care, the attention to detail and most of all for believing in us. Um, I wish you every success and happiness in your retirement and I'm sure I'll be seeing you in the football field not too long from now. Hi, Ternic. How's things? Um, little do we know, back in, in May 20, 2016, Bank Holiday Weekend, myself, Marie and the girls ventured to Carlo for the very first time. Uh, and, and welcome with, with open arms. Yourself and Tommy met us in the, in the Talbot Hotel that evening and, and little did we know what what a bloody journey we would go on after that, you know. Um, we had some fantastic nights, uh, some brilliant games, some phenomenal memories that will last a lifetime. And, and for me, uh, big man, uh, particularly even... Even with you it was more than, than just football you know uh, we, we went on to strike up a great friendship and I look forward to, to many more days where we can maybe cycle down the barrow or go for a walk in the mornings and, and reflect on, on what we achieved because uh, you know it was probably the three best uh, years I've ever had on my coaching journey and, and, and they'll be hard to surpass those years and and all thanks to yourself uh, for taking me on board and welcoming me open arms and also as well the, the, the love and the care that you showed my family as well what always means a lot to me and, and I'll take that for both me so listen well done on your six years absolutely brilliant and you really put Carl on the map fair play to you boy and look after yourself Hi Turlo. Uh Sean here I just wanted to thank you for the last 13 years that we've worked together um, certainly your
1: commitment, your hard work and your willingness to go the extra mile has really rubbed off on me and I suppose the whole generation of players that, you, that you've coached um, I think th- things with Finally, starting to look up. You got rid of Porter, and you got some sense and changed lads out of the, off the wing, pushing the central positions. But unfortunately, you've decided that it's it's time to go, and we understand your decision. And from a personal note, I just want to thank you. And um, you've really developed me as a player and as a person over the last 13 years. So again, I just wish you the
2: very best of luck, and I hope everything goes to plan in the future.
1: Well, Taro, um, Tommy here. Just want to say thanks for all you've you, you done for me over the
2: years. Uh, we've been on a fantastic journey, both of us. Uh, had some great times together, both at club and county. And outside of that, it's been a
1: great friend to me. And uh, well done with Carl, that's all I can say. Uh,
0: fantastic job and uh, wish you well. And uh, I take it the bike will be coming out now, so may I dust it down and we go for a spin? All the best, Toro. Thanks again.
3: Hi Tarlow, Cora O'Reilly here, just to say a big thank you for all you have done for, for Carlow football, especially the last few years. They were the greatest and very emotional days for us, the supporter. On a personal note, when my great late friend Claire was in hospital, you and Stevie, along with your players, made a Get Well video of messages and sent it to Claire in the hospital. Thankfully she was able to listen and see it and was overwhelmed that you were so concerned and took the time to put something like that together. It was a great source of comfort to her and it was greatly appreciated by her family. I don't think you will be very far away from a training pitch as I know you too long for that to happen. Enjoy your free time. Thank you.
0: There you go, Thurlow. I think it's fair to say you meant an awful lot to a lot of people.
3: Wow. I Look, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with that, to be honest
1: with you, uh, Kevin. I don't know how to say. Um, they're all great friends of mine. I always will be. And that's what sport is all about, you know. And the GM in particular gives you that because we're all, I suppose, we're all local to each other and we all care about Carlo and we care about each other. And that's what sport is about really like it's not about it's not about the winning you know, people might think it's not it's about the journey you're on it's about the will to win it's about the friends you make and you know, those, those people are just amazing you know just amazing and I, I've been privileged to be involved with them quite honest with you I've been very privileged to be involved with them because truthfully you know I was just team the managing team uh, I would say I put most of the credit on and the players rather than myself because my role actually started to reduce this was really if I'm being truthful about it you know and um, look it's greatly a part of it and look I'm sure there's going to be plenty more good days ahead of us. Never mind the past. We look ahead to the future.
0: Well, look, I think you've been incredibly modest. And from my point of view, I just want to thank you because I was kind of starting off in media when you were obviously starting off with Carlo. And yourself and Tommy and the lads made me feel so welcome. And I don't think there's too many people involved in media up and down the country that actually got to interview senior county managers in their own home. So I just want to thank you for for that as well, from your own point of view. and, And say well done on a great innings with Carlo. And thanks for coming on the podcast. Your Lord Megan Kevin, you're doing a great job, actually. It's a great podcast. Good to hear you're enjoying it. Thurlow, thanks a million. God bless. God bless. Yes, yeah, so there you have it. The great Thurlow Ryan who will go down as one of the best managers that Carlos Senior Footballers ever had. The voices of heard paying tribute, Daniel St. Ledger, Paul Broderick, Stephen Poacher, Sean Gannon, Tommy Wogan and Cora O'Reilly. Sean Gannon also wanted me to add that he said that Thurlow was an incredibly modern and innovative coach, a role model and a great friend. That's it for this edition of the Left Wing Back Podcast. We thank our kind sponsors, Carlo Cabs, and download the Carlo Cabs app for a fast reliable service from Carlos, the number one taxi company. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, especially if you listen on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. Those five star ratings are very much appreciated. And of course we did break into the top sixteen in Ireland last week. And again, we were getting on fairly well with Paul Kelly's at the time of interviewing as well. We were up to 21 in Ireland. So thanks very much for that. I'm much appreciated. We're back on Monday with another special edition of the Wing Back podcast. We're continuing our My Time in the Gansey series. Another great story to be told. Until next time, take care.